This has been an absolute, and when I tell everybody this, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. This has been a disgusting, heart-wrenching, roller coaster of an emotion type day for me watching baseball. I didn't expect it to be like this, but it just the way it went, the Reds, they played horribly today. But they found a way to win. I think they saved the season, Nick. I genuinely mean that. I don't know where your head's at right now, but that's where mine's at. I just, uh, I'm trying. I'm still trying in real time to gather my my thoughts. I, I really am. Ugly wins count. You found a way to split the doubleheader. You won a series on the road. We count our blessings. Tied back with the Cubs. Half game behind the Marlins because they had a disgusting comeback today, but. Also, Reds are now just two behind the Giants as well, so they're well within reach of two teams holding playoff spots at the moment. So you take it, you move along. That's win number 62 on the year, Trace. It's the same amount the Reds had all of last season. So count my blessings tonight and going to enjoy the off day tomorrow and uh, hopefully the Reds can find a way to keep it going. There's a lot to get into. Mike Krause says, Bell giveth and taketh away. Maybe so. I couldn't stand the decision, David Bell. I don't know where we start here. We have two games. I think we'll, we do a quick little box score recap, maybe into one and two. We'll do that in just a second, Nick. But I wasn't a big fan of the decision that he made of taking Williamson out. Um, but then he, re- t- he there he went and he totally redeemed himself. Put in Fairchild. This is uh, Stuart Fairchild saved the season. Save, save the season tonight. Second game. Game two, Stuart Fairchild, season saver. I like the sound of that. I like the well, I know you do. All right, you want to run through game one first? Let's do that, and then uh, we'll try our best to kind of keep this on track. So game one recap, hit us with it. All right, so this game was scoreless going into the top of the fourth. That's when uh, Matt McClain had an infield single. Joey Votto walked, and then Christian Encarnacion Strand had a two-out single, made it one nothing Reds. Top of the fifth, fifth, the Pirates botched a pop-up from Will Benson. He reached first base and then stole second base. Matt McClain doubled him home for another two-out RBI that made it 2-0 Reds. Brandon Williamson, another really strong outing. Five and two-thirds innings pitched. Only allowed two hits, one run, two walks, struck out six batters. Brandon Williamson since July 1st, eight starts, 2.99 ERA. Lucas Sims did get Williamson out of the sixth inning but came back out in the seventh. He walked the leadoff batter. Alex Young came in for the first time since August 6th. He walked another batter, and then he gave up the first career home run to Jared Trelo. That made it 4-2 Pirates. Will Benson did triple in the ninth, his sixth of the season, but the Reds stranded him, and the Reds fall 4-2. One quick kind of thought on on this one, and it kind of goes also into the game, game number two. Kind of feels like the Pirates stole game one. Kind of feels like the Reds stole game two. Is that fair? I think that's semi-fair. I think both teams just didn't play very good baseball in general. The Pirates especially, man. I mean, seriously, they gave away free base after free base. They they let a, you know, basically a pop-up drop right in front of two guys earlier in the game. They had two errors in the first game. They had three hits. But, they, you know, that's the one thing about baseball is that if you can get lucky, if you can get lucky, and I don't know if that's the right word to use, but if you can get lucky and get the hits in the right exact perfect spot, and if you and if your hits are home runs, then it can work out for you. And that's what happened in game one. Let's get into game one. Um, I don't really want to spend a significant time on it because it's, it's, uh, it's almost yesterday's news to a certain extent, but uh, there was, without question, people on both sides of the aisle that were absolutely pissed in regards to the decision that was made. And here's the thing I want to clarify before we get into this. The Reds' offense is the real problem. It's almost like that's the root of the problem, and we're arguing about things that happen because the because of the root of the problem, if that makes sense, right? I don't have a perfect analogy for you because my brain has absolutely been mushed today. But you get my point. I don't want to kill David Bell too much for taking Williamson out, but I also don't want to sit here and act like I think that that's not a decision that just seems it just seems a little bit ludicrous when you have a guy that looked as good as he did. Now, I harpen back, though. Remember what I said about Graham Ashcraft and what he did? He ruined it for everybody. And I think that's perhaps what happened today, to give David a little bit of credit in regards to thinking to himself he's never going to let another starter go out there and give up a two-run bomb again. But I hated it. I mean, I really did hate it. 
I liked it. Well, of course you did. <laughs> All right, so let, let's set the situation up. Brandon Williamson walked a batter. There's two outs. You need one more to get out of the sixth inning with the Reds up to nothing. All right. So the first batter up is Connor Joe. Connor Joe is an OPS 121 points higher against left-handed pitchers. Connor Joe also hit a ball 384 feet off Brandon Williamson earlier in the game. And then actually ended up being the longest hit ball of the entire game. Uh, so just in that move in itself, a right-handed pitcher is, is clearly going to be a better move. You need one out to get out of the inning keep the game moving along. Williamson also was not going to go back out in the seventh inning. Williamson has not thrown more than 98 pitches all year in a game. He was at 88. So if he faces Connor Joe, he's going to get over 90. I don't think there's any chance they're going to bring him back out because they haven't done it all year. I, I think maybe the bigger, the better question here is was Lucas Sims the best option? Because Lucas Sims has been struggling. He's been struggling with his command. Do we really want to throw Lucas Sims into a situation where he's coming in with runners on base? Because I don't know if that's where I really want to use Lucas Sims. And then was Alex Young, why did they go to Alex Young over Sam Mole in the next inning? I mean, Alex Young hadn't pitched in over a week. Mole pitched in the second game, so he was clearly available. So I think the decision to go to Young, who was cold, in a tough situation over Mole, I would criticize that more than the decision to pull Williamson because I just I, I, Williamson had also allowed eight hard hit balls throughout the game, so I know he was cruising, but he had given up a lot of hard contact. So, you know, you're you're you're, you're rolling till you're not. I mean, at the beginning, I thought you were making a point for me. You had told me you 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 said that you you said that the farthest hit ball all game was 380 feet. Well. I mean, where was it hit? Was it hit the center field? Because if it was hit the center field, then congratulations. You flew out. You got out. And I'm guessing that's what it was. I think it was the right center. But, I mean, it, like, he, he hit he hit the ball very well. Like, when it was off the bat, it was like, oh, wow, that has a chance. And it, it died at the warning track. But question for he you, did then. have the, the, best hit, the best hit ball off of Williamson all game as well. Okay. And then the next question I would have would be, at what point do you let – I mean, you said the reason he wasn't going to come out—he wasn't going to come out for the seventh—was because he hasn't thrown more than he hasn't thrown more than what ninety-eight pitches. You said, yeah, he hasn't thrown more than ninety-eight in a game at any level this year. Most of his starts so, have been significantly so less than that. That's been that's been a rare occasion for him to go that far. Most of his starts have been in the eighties. A lot of starts in the minors, he wasn't even going to like oh, very far into the seventies. Like this is not a guy that's pitched very deep or, or had high pitch counts very much all season long. Okay. So here's the thing with that. I hear the I hear the argument you're making, but the argument I have back is that the reason he's probably not throwing more than ninety eight pitches for two reasons. One, he either gets taken out of the game, doesn't give an opportunity to throw more than ninety eight pitches, or during that game that he threw ninety eight pitches, he wasn't he wasn't as pitch pitch efficient. He wasn't cruising as as you kind of referenced. And I get the idea of having hard hit balls, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen at some point, perhaps, whatever we're going to consider a, a hard-hit ball, if a guy hits a ball 92, 90, what would it be, 95 mile an hour, if a guy hits a ball 95 miles an hour and he hits it straight into the dirt, then is it really a hard-hit ball? I don't know, yes or no. It's almost like when you're watching a game, not one time that I think Williamson was ever in trouble in that game. There's, It's not like, oh, he got fortunate. He got out of that jam. It's like, oh, man, he's flirting with danger. He's flirting with disaster. We avoided fires, you know, uh, that never felt that. I don't think anyone will watch that game felt that. They thought, I mean, Williamson looked like, for the most part, he was cruising along, getting outs. He let one guy get on base. Oh, by the way, he had two outs in the inning. And, and the idea that he wasn't going to come out for the seventh, I guess it's just, it's it's strictly based off of, it's strictly based off of not what he's capable of doing, in my opinion. It's based off of what people assume that he's not capable of doing. That's the problem that I have. It's like we're just going to continue to assume guys can't do something until they prove that they can do it. At what point do we just assume that Williamson can do that and give him a chance to go do that when he looks the way that he looks? I get that we're in a little bit of a playoff race. You don't want to just go out there and say, well, let's just give it, let's just see if it works today and, and give him a chance. And I get, I get the concept of that. The only other concept or the only other thought in, in the back of my mind was two things. One, you have another game. And Luke Weaver's the starter. Hypothetically speaking, 
I'd like to just let my starter go as long as he can go until I know for a fact that I'm in trouble. And he wasn't he wasn't in trouble, is what I'm getting at. And my point is if he would have gotten at it, and this is all hypothetical, obviously, at this point, and that's what this game is, and we you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a matter of opinion. There's not really a fact involved here, Nick. So to be fair to both sides that are arguing this, I don't think either side can say they were hundred percent right. The 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 I'm gonna call it my side versus your side. I'm not trying to say that, but like the my side of thinking is going to point to the fact that, oh, look what happened. And I don't know if that's a fair argument either. My argument is not not so much about the situation of whether or not, oh, they would have gotten a run or not gotten a run, this, that, and the other. My argument is like at some point, you got to test these guys a little bit more than you have. And maybe they haven't earned the right to earn that test, but Williamson over his last four or five starts, in my opinion, today, he at least earned the right to at least get out of that sixth, uh, what would it be, in the seventh inning? Sixth inning. So, I don't know. And I know, it, I know it worked out to where David Bell obviously brought in Sims. Sims walks a guy. He fortunately gets out of the inning, and then they give up a run the next inning with, with uh, Young. But um, at the end of the day, the root of the problem, Nick, I can't, I can't stress this enough. The root of the freaking problem is scoring runs. That is the real problem here. We're arguing over giving up three runs in a baseball game. That's what we're arguing over. And we're saying that we didn't do a good enough job managing our starting pitching and or our bullpen because we gave up three runs. Yeah, I mean, just one more point on Williamson. I mean, you know, we also have to maybe factor in some of Williamson's success might be because they have kid-gloved him at times. <laughs> yeah, the but you can't, have, you can't play both sides of that aisle, though. Like, you can't say, well, he might have not. He, they probably saved him from going out there and getting hit. And it's like, well, maybe they didn't. I mean, maybe, but I mean, we both can argue the this, same this, thing. This is this is a picture that you have to. You know what is hilarious? No, though, you Chase? can't do this. You can't. Do I'm going to do it. You I'm can't do, do this. You know You're I'm not allowed do to do this. You're not allowed to do I'm this. Doing it. Go ahead, you do it. I'm, I'm going to crush you. I'm going to rip this to shreds. You go ahead and do it. Do it. Imagine back in May. Here we go. Arguing that. Brandon Williamson should not have been taken out of the game for Lucas Sims. Mm. It, it is wild how baseball changes our perspective so quickly. That's more my thought on that. I'm not trying to like crush you or anyone else. I get why people want to see Williamson pitch. I, I There's oftentimes myself as a fan, I hate when a starting pitcher gets pulled out of the game that's going. It, it, it does feel like you get cheated at times, but then I go back to my spreadsheet and my nerd, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like it, it, every, everything's defensible here. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I just have to say, you 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 don't know what you have until you test it out, until you see. All right, you want to talk about Tyler Stevenson? Uh, How did you know? Um, just because I said who's a big disappointment, you're just going to jump to Tyler Stevenson? I mean, what that? That's very very judgmental of you. How did you know I was going to talk my, about my, Tyler Stevenson swinging at the first pitch, piss poor at bat, rolling over a ground ball into a double play? Next time he's up, oh, let's try that again. If anything, he's consistent. I'll give him that. Very consistent, piss poor at bats by him in the first game. And at this point, I'm going to tell you something right now. If Luke Maley is not the starting catcher going forward in this t- and for this team, then we're not serious. Then we're not serious about making the playoffs. I'm done. I'm done babysitting these kids. I'm done putting white gloves on and, and and coddling them around. We're done with it. Tyler Stevenson has been a great player for this organization. I agree. He's probably not washed up. He's probably not a bum. He's probably not all the things he's being called on Twitter. That's beside the point, though. You can use your eyes. You can watch a game, and you can quickly say Luke Maley is a better catcher right now, which is all that matters is right now, right? If you have two cars and one's broken down, but that other car is a great car, guess what? doesn't matter how great it is when it's broken down. Tyler Stevenson is not playing baseball on this team if Luke Maley is healthy, okay? Period. Luke Maley is getting all the starts moving forward until he tells David Bell to his face, hey, I'm tired, or he becomes completely unproductive. Tyler Stevenson has been, unfortunately, I don't take pride in saying this, he's been the biggest disappointment of the Cincinnati Reds in 2023. And it's and it's not to... Some of that is because other people don't have expectations. I'm not saying he's the worst player on this team, Luke Weaver. But he's the biggest disappointment because you thought you had something and you definitely don't. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I don't necessarily think it needs to be like 75-25, but I think it should probably be at least like 60-40 um, at, at this point. With the I, way think that, I think that, it's 80-20. That, that, that. Okay. At least until at least I, I, well, can we can you can we at least negotiate here for a second? Can we at least say until Luke Weaver cools off, or, or excuse me, Luke Weaver, Luke Maley cools off. Luke Weaver, he's been cool for a while. That dude's been taking ice baths since he got to the league. But anyway, my main point about Luke Maley is that I'm gonna ride it until it doesn't make sense anymore. We're 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 you know what I'm saying? We're drawing up plays for the guy that's hot. We're not drawing up plays because of the, the best player that's cold right now. And I don't even know if he is the best player, to be honest. I'm not sure about that. Luke Maley might be better than Tyler Stevenson just straight up. I think at this point we just have to hope that that this is one of those just bad seasons. There's been players that have had bad seasons that really have been inexpl- inexplainable, right? I mean, there's been players that you you look over their, their careers um, – Joey Votto's had a couple of those seasons where it didn't make sense. And the next year he comes back out and you're like, how, how did that, that season before happen? And Joey Votto's never really had like a Tyler Stevenson season like this. <laughs> I make sure I'm very clear on that. <laughs> very clear on that, that point. But yeah, I mean, you have to hope that you have to hope he has a great off season and comes back and uh, at least shows some of the promise that we had. I just, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm gonna be nice. I just I can't believe people thought Tyler Stevenson could play first base every day. Well, it's I, I get you're saying that, but the only reason that they were saying that is because he was productive at the plate. He's just not been the same guy. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying, and you convinced me of that beforehand. But then I watched him catch, and I thought, well, he can't catch. <laughs> so if he can't catch, then it's hard to be a catcher. I mean, it kind of is in the name of the position. Kind of a big deal to one, be a good catch, uh, you're catching the ball when you're a catcher. One thing I will, will add on on Luke Maley is he's only caught a career high seventy six games, so I also don't necessarily run him into the ground starting him every single day. But I do think, I mean, I think if you're looking at a three game series, Maley should probably be catching two of the three games. I, I don't think it needs to be like, you know, catch him every day type thing because I, I don't know if really unless you have a catcher that's so elite, I don't. I, I think the rest is is really beneficial. So, I think Stevenson can bounce back. I just when I watch Tyler Stevenson catch, and I hope when I say I hope I'm wrong, what I mean by that is I just don't think I'm going to be. But I leave it open to the interpretation of possibly being wrong. Tyler Stevenson just he's just not. I don't see him being able to get better at catching. I think it's one of those things where you either have it or you don't to a small extent. I just don't think his frame. And his athleticism allows him to do the things that the Reds want him to do. And there, and it's already been shown by one single thing. At the beginning of the year, the Reds wanted him to go down to the one-knee catching position that allows you to get a little bit lower, and it allows you basically to be able to frame a little bit better. Right? Um, he tried that out for a short amount of time. It didn't work, so he went back to his traditional catching standpoint. And I think that just proves that the Reds already thought that he couldn't receive that well. And then when he wasn't able to do what they wanted him to do, it basically, at that point, made it to where he's not capable of doing it. Maybe with a full offseason he can figure it out, but I'm not banking on it. I'm not banking on it. So we'll see. That's enough of Tyler Stevenson. Matt McClain, though, I got to tell you, if there was anybody that I would feel good about extending, and I'm not saying they should extend anybody right now, I... That kid, I, I just, it's hard for me to envision him ever being bad at baseball. It really is. Yeah, he's having a, uh, just an incredible season. Um, and, and the Reds lineup right now is not very long. Uh, and if Matt McClain was, was slumping right now, it would feel even more of a uphill battle to get some of these wins. So right. he's just, he's been... Mr. Steady since he came up hitting in the he's really the only guy who's kind of stayed in the same spot all year and he's just produced all year and uh, he's been incredible. We got one more super chat. You guys absolutely kill me. This show is comedic win or lose. I love it. Keep me sane as a Reds fan. Borderline therapeutic. Thank you, Michael. It's we're 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 part of you, man. I got to be honest with you. I've never been more as close to uh, and there's there's people that go through serious things and there's people that 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 obviously I'm not downplaying you know my life and my feelings and I'm not downplaying other people's feelings when I say this uh, my I have a great life 
So when I say this, I'm not trying to say it as like, oh, you know, people, there's, there's other more important things going on in the world. I preface that by saying today when I was watching this first game and I watched the first few innings of the second game, I don't think I've ever been more depressed watching baseball in my life. Ever. I was so down. I mean, I just was. It's it, it just like I was watching it and I was just thinking, oh, this is, we're going to hit into a double play and then boom, there's the double play. And then it was like, oh, well, you know, sure enough, the Pirates are going to get lucky and somebody's going to run into a fastball and hit a home run. And I'm like, oh, there goes the home run. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, is this ever going to stop, Nick? Are we ever going to get lucky and, and, and get back to winning baseball? And uh, thank God, because I put out a poll, Nick, and I asked the chat, and I say the chat is in uh, the X.com app, if I should just take all the money that I had left in my account and put it on the Reds' money line, and I was really pissed off after the second inning of this game. i got to be honest. I was like, what am I doing? That was great money that I had in that account, and I just gave it away. But not so fast. Not so fast, because I did win it. Box score recap for game number two. Bottom of the first, Luke Weaver gave up a absolute bomb to Brian Reynolds. Then he allowed another run later in the inning, and the Reds were quickly down to nothing. Top of the second, Reds got a two-out rally going. Henry Ramos doubled. Will Benson walked. And Luke Maley stayed hot with a game-tying double, all tied at two. Bottom of the second, Luke Weaver gave up a leadoff solo home run to uh, someone. I don't even know his name. Who it was 3-2 points. Yeah, no one cares about him. Top of the third, Ellie De La Cruz tied the game up with a 442-foot bomb at 110.6 off the bat. That made it a 3-3 game. Ellie joined Steer McLean as the first trio of Reds rookies to hit 10 home runs in the same season. Bottom of the fourth, Luke Weaver gave up another run, and then he was pulled for Sam Mole, who got out of the inning with the Reds down 4-3. Top of the sixth, Reds got five runners on base in the inning, but couldn't score. CES grounded into a double play, but then the Reds did load the bases with a two-out rally. During that rally, Pirates manager, bench coach, and pitching coach all got ejected when they were arguing that clear balls should have been strikes. TJ Friedel worked a seven-pitch at bat before hitting a ball hard right at the Pirates center fielder to strand the bases loaded. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Brian Reynolds hit his second home run of the day, this time off Ian Jabot, and the Reds trailed 5-3. And honestly, Trace, this is where it kind of felt like, man, this is just not the Reds' day at all. But in the top of the eighth, Joey Votto doubled. Henry Ramos singled him home on a ball off the glove of right fielder Henry, Henry Davis. That cut the Pirates' lead to 5-4. Then David Bell went to the bench. Pinch hitter Stuart Fairchild came in for Will Benson, and Fairchild ripped a single to tie the game up at five. Alexis Diaz, he got the Reds out of the eighth inning and then pitched a scoreless ninth, and we went into extra innings. In the top of the tenth, Christian Encarnacion Strand had an ugly first pitch pop-up, but then TJ Hopkins, who came into the game as a defensive replacement, singled, moving the ghost runner, which was Tyler Stevenson, pitch running for Joey Votto, hang with me, over to third. And his Stuart Fairchild, he barely beat out a double play, gave the Reds a 6-5 lead. And then the Reds' extra man, the 27th man, because it was a doubleheader, Daniel Duarte got the job done, got the save in the ninth. Reds hang on for a wild 6-5 victory in Game 2. Uh, you know how down I was. I was, um, was going to come on the show today, and I was going to tell you the Sunday in Oakland has been trumped. The Sunday, the the Sunday in Oakland still stands. Oh no! The Sunday in Oakland still stands at the top. That will be a baseball game that we'll never get back. That we 100% could have had if we just took it somewhat serious and decided we weren't going to rest all of our guys against the Oakland A's. We wanted to rest them against the Padres because we had such a good chance to beat them. Oh, by the way, we didn't beat them once. But anyways, that's beside the point. I do want to remind everybody, though, that's that's still watching, that there's this thing that's important. They call them the standings. And, you know, as bad as this feels and as gross as this is, that's where we are. It's just not bad. I mean, if you don't look at the run differential, outside the run differential, but who cares? Look at Miami. The Miami's in the playoffs as we speak. That's where that, uh, you know, where that hurts a little bit, Nick, is that Sunday game that we played against Miami. Um, was that Sunday? 
that was Sunday. What what day was that, Nick? Anyway, that Miami was a three game swing. Not Wednesday. only do you have it was Wednesday. See, my my brain's just not there. So my point is that there was a two game swing based off of who wins and loses, and then you got the tiebreaker game because that was the swinging game for the tiebreaker. And we lost that as well. So that's three full games that we lost on Miami in that one day. So, you know, the only thing I can think of is that uh, everybody wants to talk about the schedule. Am I being too pessimistic by thinking I'm not even worried about the schedule anymore? Because it's just a matter of the Reds getting back to playing pretty good baseball at this point. Am I, am I, am I being too negative, Nick? The schedule matters some. I mean, I, I think this team is – I think the schedule might matter more – in terms of like who the Reds are facing pitching wise, because I do think this team probably is going to have some serious struggles down the stretch, hitting really good pitching. Uh, but I think they could they could definitely find their way to to, to squeeze some more wins out of uh, uh, games like like tonight when they were facing a, uh, um, a a kind of a semi bullpen game. And I know they struggled at times, but they still ended up scoring six runs at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, I mean it it, it matters and. Till it doesn't, almost. I, I don't. I don't know really how else to say it other than uh, it, it's going to give the Reds at least a little bit of a chance. But they're clearly going to have to play a lot better than they played their last two weeks, or it doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much what I was getting at. I <clears throat> I don't know how to feel about this team right now. They're a team that feels like they were reeling, but they just won the series. Doesn't that not feel yeah. like really weird? I, I is anyone and, sh- and should have won this series against the Marlins too. Like, it's not like they were outplayed the whole, you know what I mean? Like, they they just back-to-back series where the Reds overall were in almost every single game, should have won both series, so. Yeah, that's one of those things that were really quickly where it's almost like that's, it's almost almost a way to be positive or optimistic about this team where they were, they've been playing this bad, but they've been in games. I mean, outside of Chicago, outside of those couple games in Chicago, they've been in games. They've just not been playing. And, and, and listen, Miami and Chicago are two teams that are fighting for playoff spots. But now, obviously, Pittsburgh's not. I don't know, man. I just can't get. I can't figure it out. I feel fooled. I feel like this is a complicated relationship that we have, at least that I have with the Cincinnati Reds. I, I think that some of the Reds play. Obviously, we had the twelve-game win streak, and some of the play before and right after that, they made the game of baseball look way easier than it ever is. And, and it kind of, I think, tricked a lot of our heads to where these kind of series against the Pirates are more of the the rule than the than what that that win streak was. You have to win some ugly series. You have to grind out these series wins. You're just not going to go into Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and just run out, run, run through them most of the time. You're gonna have to find a way to win some ugly games. Um, and so I, I think some of our our heads got tricked just because when everything's clicking, it looks really easy. Right. But when everything's not, it looks really, really, really damn hard. And uh, 42 games left. RM in the chat. Thanks for for 42. Games. It's just uh, how. You're going to have to probably grind most of those 42 games out. Uh, are you worried about the bullpen at all? No, nah, I think I'm more worried about the offense, if I'm being honest. You know, the offense without Jake Fraley, yeah. who I think just is is such a huge, huge part of this team and makes some of the looking easier against right-handed pitching. It makes makes the, the game look a little bit easier. Uh, I mean, you, Duarte is going to get sent back down to AAA, so there's still some depth there. Like, he's, he has to go back down as the 27th man, so you have him. Uh, we'll get into some guys in a minute down at AAA. TJ Antone pitched today, pitched well. Casey Legomina's pitching well. So you actually do have some, and Vladimir Gutierrez could also be another. You have some additional options there. You don't have an extra left-handed bat to bring up. There's no no one to replace Jake Fraley. But if if uh, Alex Young or uh, whoever else, Phil, whoever else kind of proves that they're done or they need to go on an IL stint or whatever. Yeah. You have other guys that can replace them that I think are uh, valid options. And in some cases, like Duarte is probably better than some of the guys that are in the Reds bullpen right now. So I'm not as worried as the bullpen as the offense overall. Um, is Fraley, What's the update on Fraley? I mean, he went on the 10-day. Is it, do we even have an update? Do we know? 
there there's no timetable, but they said they felt good. Whatever whatever that means. I think they they're making him sit sit out for another week from baseball activities. Uh, he has been a weird guy though that hasn't gone on a rehab assignment. Sometimes he's just come right back in. So uh, obviously, if he's able to to actually skip a rehab assignment, and come right back in, uh, that would help the Reds because man, the last thing you want to do is have this guy have to go play another week in Louisville. I mean, you're looking at mid September when you start yeah adding in all the days is, and all that. So is a stress fracture a real thing? I mean, a stress fracture in his left toe. I don't. I don't know if that's the same one as the same injury as last year, but he's had a lot of, of those type of injuries over the last couple of years. That's just, that's been his only uh, real down downfall is just he, he's had a lot of just like little nagging injuries. So yeah, he, listen, he's certainly missed. Um, Will Benson's been a bright spot though, man. I don't want to gloss over him. I think Will Benson's been just such a, such a great player. And he, obviously that's, that's an obvious statement, but just, for guys that you didn't have high hopes for coming into this year, we've had so many guys that have just played above above what we thought that they could even really be in a way. I guess did we think that this was a ceiling for Benson when we when they traded for him? No. Um guy was a top level pick when he when he came out for the draft. It's just that it's just that uh he's oh he's so he's so exceeded my expectations that I don't want to say that we wouldn't even be anywhere near here without him. I think he's not as he's not as a big of an impact player as McLean's been, in my opinion. But damn, he's close. He's close, man. And McLean's just so high on that level for me. I I can't tell you how impressed I am with Matt McLean. He, it's almost like we don't talk about Matt McLean a whole lot because the son of a gun just does it every single day. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we, we could sit here and put him on the rundown, but I mean, genuinely, Matt McLean. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of somebody the Cardinals had back in their heyday. Like, you know, you you think you think they finally got rid of somebody, and the next thing you know, boom, the Cardinals they pop in a guy like Matt McLean, and you're like, golly day, where do they get these guys? You know, Pujols leaves, the next thing you know, they got some fat guy hitting. Fat Adams just decide he's going to be a good baseball player, and then they go get Goldschmidt. It's like, granted, Cardinals are in last place. I think they're still in last place. At least I hope they are. Um, so I don't want to give him too much props, but seriously, Matt McLean's an unbelievable baseball player. Seriously, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go too many shows without saying that. Yeah, Will Benson. I mean, he, every at bat, you just you feel like how how much he he embodies that like grind out mentality. Uh, every at bat, almost almost every at bat's a absolute quality at bat. He always that he plays his tail off. Made that catch today. I kind of was like, "Oh, Great please, catch. God, don't get hurt." Uh, that that's the kind of play where you kind of you, you dive in with your your wrist out. That just terrifies me. Uh, like like Jay Bruce said, a couple of those. Um, but man, he, he just he plays all out. And the guy that we also got to make sure we mention Henry Ramos had three hits in game number two. Henry, he's kind of been that guy that's been a been a spark plug for this team. Uh, I don't know how long plug. the Henry. The Henry Ramos magic can last, but he came up with a spark plug um, before any of the prospects came up. Kind of helped the Reds stay afloat earlier in the year. Uh, he probably deserves some starts here. Um, he, he's he's a, he's a nice hitter. He, he's I don't I don't think he's a like long term big league player, but you need guys like Henry Ramos that can just kind of help fill the gap until you get through. Paul asked a question: Were you surprised Bell pinch hit for Fairchild for Benson? I can tell you right now. Nick Kirby was not. Um, no. you've, if if uh, and that's okay if you've not watched this show a lot, Paul. That's okay, no problem at all. But let me tell you something. There is a, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to say that Nick Kirby's a fanboy of Stuart Fairchild. I think Nick Kirby is a is a very public and strong defendant of Stuart Fairchild. He he is his lawyer basically. I mean, if you were to think of. Um, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the lawyers that you go and you get assigned when you don't have enough money to, to hire a lawyer. I'm talking like the higher, the lawyers that have that wear the really big time suits. That's what Nick Kirby is for Stuart Fairchild. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if Stuart gets, uh, if, if, if Kirby gets some of Stuart Fairchild's arbitration money when that becomes a thing. I'm not sure how that they, what, what deal they negotiated. But, there's no doubt that uh, that you honestly knew, and I'll say honestly knew, but you were you were hoping that was going to happen. I'd assume, correct? Yeah, I mean, Will Benson has 
long splits in the minor leagues. Said it a million times. Just because you hit righties doesn't mean you hit lefties. Look at Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley is the best hitter on the Reds, in my opinion, against right-handed pitching. Has not hit lefties all. I think he's like four for 44. And I said that coming into the year, like there's data after data after data. This guy doesn't hit lefties. So, I mean, sure, you can give everyone a chance, but why why are you giving them a chance especially like i think maybe it's a little bit different of a situation with a guy like will benson if the reds are 15 games out of it sure yeah maybe let will benson take some at bats against lefties but we're trying to win now i will say i did not love the newman pinch hitting move because you had already tied the game yeah i think tj friedel's hit lefties better and you hurt your defense on top of that i didn't really love love that one i get why he did it right uh, I think that might have been a little bit of, I'll say it, a little bit of overmanaging. Okay. Defensively was the only thing, though. There, that was the only real reason as to why you would have kept Friedel in the game. I don't think that Friedel's a better hitter in that spot than Newman, and I've defended Newman. Uh, if, if, there's any, if there's anything that I've ever defended Kevin Newman about is that he does traditionally put the ball in play. He's, he's pretty elite at putting the ball in play, and in that spot, I would prefer Newman to hit. Now, if you were to tell me, hey – by the way, you lose T.J. Friedel in center field because you're going to hit Kevin Newman. That's where I probably have a little bit of an issue with the move. But I, I'm not going to be sideways one way or the other of it because I'll tell you why. I need to stick to my guns a little bit. I should have been I, I should have been a better friend with the Stuart Fairchild thing. I think Stuart Fairchild is a pretty decent, and I say decent, he's a probably above average defensive outfielder. The only thing that I dislike about Putting, I just don't know if I love putting Stuart Fairchild out there once, you know, for the first time in like three weeks in center field in a tight baseball game. I don't love that, especially at Wrigley Field when it's windy and all the, all, you know, all the above. But all things considered, I think Stuart Fairchild can play any any outfield position and do and excel at it if he gets if he gets reps. If it's not one of those things where he's literally been on the bench for two weeks and you throw him out there in the ninth inning of a close game, that's just unfair to him. That's unfair to Stuart Fairchild. Um, so that's that. Uh, let's do some Reds MILB here, and then I think we can talk about who, what, when, where, and why. Maybe there's a question in the chat we can get to, but uh, but nonetheless, the good news is. This was a game-saving win. Red split. They win the series. I got to remind everybody, I was about as down as anybody could have possibly ever been watching the Cincinnati Reds today. And you step back a little bit, and it's it's all okay. We're, we're still right there in the thick of it. They have to play better baseball. They have to play better baseball. Hopefully, they played some good baseball in the minor leagues. Did they do that, Nick? Kind of a mixed bag. Kind of like mm. the Pittsburgh series, to be honest. Uh, Louisville Bats, hey, you talk about other teams that had some some things go their way. They won 8-6 today because the game got rained out in the sixth inning. Nice. So they good got a, a cheap too. win today. Yeah, not so good for Ben Lively. Uh, if we're looking for our Luke Weaver replacement, uh, Ben Lively did not get it done today. Uh, six runs, didn't make it out of the first inning. Lively was supposed to throw 85 pitches today, um, but he only ended up throwing 32. I know, I know Trace, there's been some times where uh, a pitcher doesn't get all the pitches that they're supposed to, and then they go to the bullpen and finish. I don't know if that was the case with him. I don't know if he actually did end up throwing his 85, but they kind of felt, hey, he's at 32. He still has made it out of the first. We needed to shut him down, give him his 10 minutes you'd normally have from your break in between innings or whatever, um, and he may have actually got those. But nonetheless, not really a very promising start. Connor Phillips came in later in the game, uh, and I, it looked like he was just getting like almost a normal start. He just didn't start because of Lively on his rehab and pitched really well. Two and a third, he came out or the game ended while while he was in the middle of what was his outing, but didn't give up a hit. Did walk two, did strike out two. Uh, Marte one for two, Barrero zero oh for two. Kirk Casale rehabbing was one for four. Uh, smoked a single. Actually, did see that one. He hit that one hard. And then there was a lot of other uh, pitchers. Uh, Casey Legomina. Uh, pitched really well today, inning in a third, uh, just gave up one hit, struck out four batters, so all four of his outs were strikeouts. That's good to see. Uh, that's why I, I really like him as a depth piece for sure for the Reds. And then TJ Antone, uh, probably his best outing, uh, perfect inning, two strikeouts. So, And Nixon Zell still has not played, so not sure what's going on there. I know you get three days to report. I think this was day three. Took so, his time. He took his time to get down to Louisville. Do you blame him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame him. 
but yeah, so that's uh, Louisville. A lot of a lot of players in action there. Chattanooga they won six two over Pensacola. Lookouts now eleven over five hundred fifty nine and forty eight on the season. Uh, Julian Aguilar has had a little bit of struggle since getting promoted from Dayton. Pitched pretty well today, four and a third, just one run allowed. Reese Hines stayed hot. He was two for five. Uh, Blake Dunn was zero for five. Dayton Dragons they fell three one to Wisconsin. Dragons now fifty six and fifty two on the season. Not a lot on the offense. Edwin Arroyo was 0 for 4. Sal Stewart was 0 for 4. Austin Hendrick was 0 for 4. But Carlos Jorge, he got his first hit uh, as a Dayton Dragon after getting promoted recently. All, uh, Matt Nelson, though, the catcher, had a great day. 3 for 3 with a double. And then the Tortugas down at Low A, Daytona Tortugas, they lost 5-3 to Jupiter. Tortugas 47-58 and 58 on the season. Cam Collier, though, stayed hot. 2 for 4. Hector Rodriguez and Victor Costa each were 1 for 5. And that is your Reds MILB presented by Bedfred Sportsbook. Love that. Good for Cam Collier. Good for Cam Collier. Austin Hendricks, man. Time's running out. Time's running out. I don't know what you do with that guy. I really don't. I think you just step, uh, say a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's, 20, he's 22 years old, isn't he? Yeah, he did it. He did have two home runs like in his last five games. Uh, that's so. what I'm saying. Like, I was actually starting to get my hopes up a little bit. Like, hey, is this guy starting to figure it out? And then you drop an O for four on me, which I know it's only one game, but golly, that's. <sighs> they all don't pan out. We know that. They all don't pan out. That's why you need a bunch of them. That's why you need a bunch of them. That is the Brewers affiliate. So, if there's one thing we know about the Brewers, is that organization <laughs> top to bottom can pitch. So, Arroyo was also O for, Salster was O for. So, Maybe we can give uh, Austin a little bit of a pass today. Do you make anything about Connor Phillips throwing kind of as a save? Was it a save situation? No. So, so lively pitch first. Legamina. I would say he threw. Threw. That's, yeah. that's good call. So he threw first. Legamina came in to get out of the inning. Obviously, you're not going to have Connor Phillips coming to get out of the inning. It was only the sixth inning. So, and he he was at two and a third. And and it started raining while he was on the mound. So I, I think he was going to keep going and probably would have got close to a start or at least four innings. I don't think there was anything to him in relief today other than just the fact that Lively needed to do his rehab today. So they make the usually you make the the big league starter get this actual start and you make the the minor league guy come in later. It was a little weird that Antone though came in before Phillips. That that was kind of a little weird, but. A couple funny. You things. could use Phillips. As, you could use Phillips as a reliever, though. That would be an interesting thought. I mean, he could definitely be really good in a role like that over you know a month of the season. Listen, there's only one spot in this in this uh, in the starting pitching spot, a rotation that we got to figure out. Hopefully, with Hunter Green coming back, that that's the answer. I don't know if it's going to be though, because like I've said, I mean, Hunter Green hasn't pitched in meaningful baseball games in a long, long time, and it's not like Hunter Green was. Um, he was okay, but it's not like Hunter Green was, you know, a bona fide stud or ace when he was here earlier this year. I don't want to try to be negative or pessimistic. I'm just being honest. Like that's that's I don't, I wouldn't expect Hunter Green to come back and be like this, you know, sub four ERA guy. You have to remember that we only have a four man rotation at the moment. So I mean, lively didn't really inspire a lot of confidence, but I, I assume. They're probably I, I, the way if he was throwing 85 pitches today, that made me think they were thinking one rehab start. We're having you back up next weekend against the the Blue Jays. But I don't know if today says, hey, no, uh, big boy, we're going to we're making you make one more. Is there a chance we could just do an opener? Like for lively? No, for Weaver. Uh, we've I been mean, asking for it all year. Can we, so give I, it, can we give it a shot, man? Just try it. Just try it. It not that it can't it can't hurt, dude. Guy goes out and throws four innings every game. Nick gives up like five runs. Oh, kid show. I've been asking for like as like fourth start of the year, so I I don't know why they haven't. I, I don't know if maybe they just think something about Luke Weaver that he would really struggle in that. I don't know what could be worse. I I really don't. But yeah, Derek Law has been RM points out Law's been great in that role. So I right. I I don't I don't get it. I don't know, man. It's part of the Cincinnati Reds of 2023. You've just got to get it, get on with it and figure it out as we go. Hopefully it works out. We'll send a prayer to heaven. Today was an example of how good are we. I'm not sure how good we are. 
But then they win, and you're right back on that train, baby. You're like, ah, we've seen them get hot before. We've seen them get hot before. We've seen them get hot once. <laughs> we were, can we get them? Can we see them get hot twice? I don't know. I'm not sure about it, man. I got to be honest. This is a this 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 depth of this team is paper thin right now. I'm hoping to the Lord that we can figure out a way to get lightning in a bottle one more time. And you know who it's going to have to be. I'm going to tell you who it's going to have to be, Nick. You ready for it? Ellie De La Cruz. He's the one guy on this team. If he plays above his head and he plays unbelievable, he takes this team to another level that nobody else can do it. Nobody else can do it. Matt McLean's played great for the most part all year long. Ever since he came up, he's played great. The only difference is when Ellie De La Cruz is getting three, four hits a game, and he can't do that every game. I get it. Stealing bags, being a disruptor on the base pass, making plays in the field, and he made some great plays in the field in that second game. He's got to be a guy. He's got to be a guy. There's the old saying in March Madness, right, Nick, that your stars got to be stars if you plan to advance. Ellie's going to have to be a star for this team to overachieve. And if he doesn't overachieve, I don't want to say it's okay. I'm not trying to make excuses here. I'm just saying that that's part of it too. It's frustrating as hell. I get it. It's frustrating as hell watching that dude strike out. There's times where I wonder if he's ever even looking at the pitches coming up there. He's just <laughs> swinging like hell. But I'm like, all right, well. Then he comes out that second game, proves us all wrong. So, all right. Who, what, when, where, and why, Nick? All right, another off day tomorrow. We're gonna take another four. off day too, right? Please, you're, you're, I'm gonna make you do. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we're we're uh, folks. I'll be honest. You're gonna have to get the podcast numbers up a little bit if you're one off day show. So uh, you're gonna make me. You have to make <laughs> me work for it. So they've been they've been a little down. So you know. Well, what? I wonder to, why. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's me. I don't think it's you. <laughs> yeah, no, we no podcast tomorrow. No podcast tomorrow. But yeah, Reds Guardians just a two game series. I hate that they do this. I really hate that they uh, the Reds and, and Guardians play these uh, two games here, two games there. Why not your closest rival? Why not have them two uh, three game series on the weekends? But nonetheless, Tuesday six forty. Uh, the Guardians are fifty seven and sixty two. That's good for second place, living good in the AL Central. They're four and a half back. Uh, Guardians have lost nine of their last thirteen. Did have a big win today though. Great pitching team, but they are towards the bottom in most offensive categories, and they've traded away some uh, guys at the deadline. Uh, Logan Allen, the lefty going for the Guardians, really strong rookie season. He was a top 100 prospect going into the year by uh, Baseball America. So another tough lefty for the Reds. Thankfully, the second game will be Noah Syndergaard, who the Reds destroyed um, when he was with the Dodgers. So surely expect the Reds to beat this nice lefty and then somehow get Struggle with center guard because that's how baseball works. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, what more can you say? 1.94 ERA over his last eight. He has never faced the Guardians. So, yeah, 640 Tuesday. All right. Uh, a few other things from the injury report. Jonathan India. I did not see an update yet. I just know that obviously he went back on the IL, mentioned that he obviously was going to get a second opinion. Do we know when that second opinion is coming? Or are we going to hear about it? Or do we have any idea what, what what the hell is going on with that? I don't know when the second opinion is, but he's they're sitting him down for two more weeks. That was on Friday. So uh, you're looking at August 25th will be two weeks from Friday. So, I mean, I don't know. It's an uphill battle to be a contributor in 2023. I mean, if I'm just being completely honest, as much as that sucks. Does India play again? I don't know. Um, I don't want to say, like, I don't know if I'm betting it probably say probably ends up getting shut down for the year. Just if you're looking at it logically, I hope I'm missing something. I just don't think they'll shut him down for the year, especially if they're in the playoff race. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be a big, Determine. I mean, like, if if the Reds are out of it by the time, they'll probably say, "Yeah, just shut it down the rest of the year." But yeah, I don't know. So that's a tough one. It stinks. Cause this is the time you've really and, and this. I'm not. I don't want this to come across at all as like criticizing of Jonathan India. It just stinks because this is the time you've needed Jonathan India more than you've really needed him all year. I mean, there was a time where the Reds had to rotate a guy out of the lineup every day because they had too many offensive players. So right. it just it it's unfortunate that. You know, that, that Fraley and India's injuries both have come at the same time. That, that's brutal. You know what? 
I don't know because where. because the Reds came back. We didn't do uh, DSC. You're right. That's 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 a that's a that's a big league find right there. It's the deep drive of the day is sponsored by Deep South Commodities. Who else? Who else? Do you have it? It has to be maybe Ellie De La Cruz. Regardless, DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. And again, thank you to John and our friends at DSC. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We greatly appreciate all of the love and support. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, well, what are you waiting for? Do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game this season, just in time for your daily commute, your morning coffee, or however else you get your day started. And also, make sure that you are subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so you can join us live after every single Reds game this season and be a part of the conversation. Hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. We hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.